Hello, 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 brothers and sisters. How y'all doing? Got another great episode of the Black Financial Initiative. Want to thank all the initiators for listening. Continue to listen and, and tell your friends. I'm going to pass it to Terrence and let everybody know what this episode is about. All right, all right. What's up, everybody? So today we have a, a great episode. Uh, really excited to bring this one to you guys. We have a kind of a review, just a summary of a book. And that book is The Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Clayson or George S. Classen. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. Forgive me, uh, Mr. George. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, we will be discussing that book today. Just say what we think about it, uh, what kind of tips or gems we got from it. And I guess we'll kick it off and start with a summary of that book. Um, so I'll continue on with that. So to me, it is kind of in a... Larry, as you said, off, off camera or off mic, um, kind of like the Bible, King James. So it's, it's not a religious book by saying that, but it's a, a book told in story form. So it is not nonfiction. It's, it's kind of some made up stories, uh, but it's, it's geared towards teaching you some financial principles and some steps, some actionable steps to take. And they mention these several times throughout the book. And it's not just one long story. It's broken up into several different stories. And that's what reminds me of, of the Bible when reading it that way. And that's just to give some, some listeners out there who have not read the book um, an idea of, of what to expect when you do read this book. So it's, it's different stories. I like it. It's entertaining because they have different stories. It's not just feeding you information on finances and just feeding you different steps and principles. Uh, it's not being in a, a lecture or a class. It's, it's storybook form. Um, it's very interesting to me. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Terrence. Um, and I'll let E talk in a little bit, but it's kind of like, like you said, the Bible likes like parables. Like it kind of makes it easier to understand than just somebody just giving you facts. Like, you know, putting a story, you know, making it kind of relatable, even though this was, you know, thousands of years ago, but still, you know, making it relatable to today still. So it's still relevant to this day. But yeah, Eric, what do you think? Um, I think just like uh, you said, I think it's parables like it's literally and like you say, like story form. Um, that's literally how it goes. You know, this chapter is one parable. Then it heads to the next parable, next parable, um, all discussing basically uh, different aspects of finance, basically. And it talks about some good things in there. But, yeah, it's all story form. And so really, the, we could just hop into it. Um, what are so the first question is, what are some of the things that we like? Um, and I can start it off few, just a few notes I have here of things that I like. It mentions in there that you have the same opportunity as others. It's pretty much what you do with it. And so, you know, me, Larry and T, we all pretty much have the same opportunities. You know, we can all do real estate. We can all invest in stocks. We can all do like it's what you do with it that matters. You know, you're not restricted from those same opportunities. And that's one of the parables, too. You know, the guys are all like we kind of grew up together. But there's one guy here, he's doing a lot more, you know, he's like, he comes back and like, well, you got the same opportunities, you know, you just did something different. Um, also, he mentions putting away no less than 10% of your earnings. Um, he hit that on several, that seems like throughout the whole thing is like, don't forget, if I see one-tenth again, <laughs> I was like, man, he is hitting on that. Um, but yeah, he's very serious about one-tenth of your earnings. Um, like saving it or investing it. Um, he also spoke a lot of 
generational wealth or at least helping your family in the long run. That was a big thing that I took away from it. It was always like, they always say fatten your purse was one of the things that was in there. And it was always like to help your family in the future or to help the next ones that are coming. Um, and the other thing I took from it is, um, I don't think it really mentioned like any material things per se. Like as far as like get this money so that you can buy, you know, this or buy that or buy this. It was all just like accumulate the wealth. And I think he maybe did that intentionally to kind of show like, you know, your intention should be to accumulate the wealth, not necessarily to like, I want this material thing. You know, it's, it's the wealth is what matters. Um, so those are the things that I liked about it. And I did like the parable format. You know, that was that was very helpful. And um, it was very I like his rules. It was very clear cut and, you know, very upfront regarding his rules. Yeah, going back to I'm gonna piggyback off you real quick. When you're talking about he, he didn't really mention about, you know, purchasing material things. I don't remember which, you know, parable it was, but or one of the stories, one of the one of the men was saying, OK, I did the 10 percent. I put back because um, I think this, I can't remember exactly what the term was, but it says, you know, pretty much keep some money for yourself. Um, mm -hmm. And um, and he said, I did that. And then I went and I and I bought this and I bought that. And the guy kind of like laughed and said, you know, okay, that was cool. You know, you still need to learn. Like you, you <laughs> took some money from yourself, but you, but then you eventually wasted the money instead of right. you know, essentially investing it. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that stood out to me. Yeah. And I'd like to um, back up just for a second, just where, what he was saying um, and what both of you guys are saying is you mentioned wealth. And we started out the episode kind of describing this book and talking about the, giving a summary of it and I just want to say and, and really emphasize that, like you guys mentioned, wealth, this book is not about quick fix or, or mm -hmm. quick come up to windfalls. It is a book more on wealth building. Um, so it's not just a stock book or investment book. This is about mm -hmm. a long term wealth building. Um, so this is a good book to read if you want to get some uh, entertaining book or you want to learn some new steps or principles to get to learning, uh, to getting wealth long-term. And also um, on that summary of the book, it is based in the past. We, we mentioned kind of how it reminds us of, of stories from the Bible because it is based in, in the past. It talks about Babylon. So it goes back, you know, like centuries and then spans because it's different stories. It does span, you know, a long time into, I believe the last story is like 1920s maybe so some archaeologist uncovers these these clay tablets so it's a a fiction book that that spans a, a very long time with different stories and it tries to get you to understand these steps in different ways with different stories like like eric said he mentions the 10 percent if you say if i see 10 percent <laughs> one more time in this book <laughs> i'm gonna rip it up <laughs> But they, they mentioned it. That's, that's one of the constant things that they bring up throughout the different stories. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, we mentioned these steps. And I do want to just summarize. We can't go over every little story in this book, but I will try to summarize uh, the first steps that I, I saw um, in the book, which if you give me just a, a second so I can go through my notes. But he said it was seven cures as, as mm -hmm. they uh, describe it. So he didn't say seven steps, but the person in this story was talking about the seven cures that they had for, for a lean purse. 
So seven cures for a lean purse, basically seven steps to build wealth for your empty pockets. <laughs> um, and the first one was uh, start the purse to fattening. So save is, is one way to summon that up. First cure. Second cure was control thy expenditures. And I really like that one. We can probably speak on that one a little bit more. But for me, it seemed like that second cure was about budgeting. Mm-hmm. It's control thy expenditures, control how much you're uh, spending. So you need to budget that. And he also described in that one what I would call the lifestyle creep. So we'll move into that a little bit more. Um, make thy purse multiply. So invest. Then the fourth one, guard thy treasures for loss. Um, so study before investing or loaning. And then the fifth one was to make thy dwelling a profitable investment. So own thy home is what I got from that. Then the sixth one basically talks about life insurance. And then the seventh one is increase the ability to earn. So increase your salary or however you make your money, increase that. So that basically just sums up the seven, seven cures as they had in one of the first stories in the book. There's multiple stories, but that one, those were the steps that I think were most impactful for me. And that's what I really like about the book. Uh, we, going back to the original question was what do we like about it? Uh, to me, it's simplified in a way how to build wealth, uh, not only just as rules or steps, but for financial success, but uh, puts them in an entertaining way uh, from, the, from the stories that you know remind me of other stories. That's why I liked it. And to hit on yeah. kind of, I'm sorry, Lee. Well, yeah, no, I was gonna, I was gonna agree with you, and I don't know if we we're gonna talk about it later. And uh, one of the next chapters it has the five laws of gold. So yeah. once again, Ooh. just different steps, kind of different steps, kind of makes it easier, you know, to to understand what he's saying because it kind of breaks it down by the steps. Now the the five laws that go to the kind of long, so I'm not gonna read them, um, each one of them right here. But I, I didn't like you. I did enjoy that that um, the way he broke down. I guess you know the information in the book kind of makes it easier to understand it. Um, and I was gonna say um, the two that like really hit me with that with that one was like control thy expenditures. It seems like no matter what book we've read or <laughs> no matter what article we've read, it's like you have to you have to budget basically. You know, you have to control what you're spending. That is the biggest thing. And then also number seven, increasing the ability to earn. It's like you also have to, what I want to say, learn a skill set or whatever it takes, you know, to also build, to also increase your knowledge, but uh, earn more money basically is what it's saying. You know, and you take that as what it is. You need to use you know, more education or go more in debt with your skill set, specialize like, you know, basically you need to apply yourself to whatever it takes to earn more money. And so I thought that was pretty interesting that even with all this wealth building, it wasn't just like, you know, build this wealth and you're good. It was like, you still need to continue to build yourself too. Yeah. And I kind of want to go back a little bit and I, I very well probably pronouncing this name correct, incorrectly. I, I believe the richest man, his name was Arcad, or I'm not sure exactly how to uh, okay yeah so um his friends they they grew up together they knew each other young and whatnot and he ended up being the richest man you know in babylon and in babylon at the time i guess was a very prosperous area so he's you know giving the knowledge that he uh gained from his time you know doing what he's doing i guess um to to his friends and his friends are kind of jealous of him 
Mm-hmm. You know, they they were like, well, you know, we came from the same place. You know, how are you? You know, this rich and we're not. And um, you know, he didn't have any. You know, I don't believe he had any inherent inheritance or anything like that. You know, he just, you know, and you guys might better remind me here. I don't, I'm not sure how he even came up with these um these rules and whatnot. But um, it's, well, so he I, learned them from somebody, I believe. Yeah, I believe so. Okay, yeah, cause I couldn't remember exactly where we got that from. Because there's so many different stories. There's some people who were slaves and they end up becoming prosperous. Um, I know one person, he he was a slave. He was, I think he grew up in Babylon. He, he got um, sold to, to be a slave. Um, end up, he had a good slave owner, you know, you know, I guess as, as could be, I guess. And he ended up selling cakes. And um, his slave owner allowed him to sell cakes and keep part of the part of the profit and eventually, um, you know, purchase his way to freedom. There was actually a couple of different slaves in this, in this uh, story. Um, I, I know one, he owed a lot of debt and his wife left him um, because he had so much debt and he became a slave and whatnot. And then he was asked the question, do you want to be a, you know, do you want to have the spirit of a slave or a spirit of a free man? And he was almost mm-hmm. at the, to the point of death to where um, he, he was hungry. Uh, he, he was somewhere where he couldn't really find no food. And he was at the point, you know, do I want to live or, or do I want to die? And he decided that I want to be a free man. I want to, I want to live. And he, he decided at that point in time that he wanted to pay back all his debt. So, um, you know, he continued. I think he would end up being, he was a camel, uh, camel trader. So he ended up um, selling. I don't remember exactly how he got up, out of it, but he ended up getting back up and, and doing what he was doing just to, to live and to pay off his debt so he can get his wife back because his wife had uh, went back to her parents. So um, it was just different, different stories of, of how they, how people came from, you know, not great places, people who didn't have inheritance, literally even slaves, and, and mm-hmm. were able to, you know, take some different fundamentals and, and use them to become, you know, eventually rich. Yeah, wife said, I'm not going to stick around for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, w- I wasn't sure how I felt about that point. He came back, escaped slavery, and, and won her back. I'm like, I don't know if I want you back. You know, you went with me shooting in the gym. You know what I'm saying? You went with me shooting in the gym. I wonder if she was advising him against those things, and he was just like, I'm going to do it on my own. Okay, that's different. That's, that's <laughs> different. You know, if if I was, you know, on the sidelines or something, I was with you in the in the gym, and I'm giving you the plays, and you drawing your own plays. You know, okay. <laughs> Hey, but that's the way I took it. I was like, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna hope for the best here, and just say that's maybe what happened. And then she okay. just, she just did bounce with things got hard. And- okay, all right, <laughs> I, I, I'll give you that one. But at first, I'm like, I don't know, I don't know if if, if I'm down and and you leave, if you weren't with me at my worst, you can't be with me at my best. But all right. Hey, I can't. I can't blame her. I can't imagine being married to a slave. So you know, you know. <laughs> hey, she said that's the last step. She's like, look, you know, she's like, now you a slave? Oh no, I can't do that. Yeah. But Larry, on that uh, that last story you were describing, I think it's the same one. Um, to me, I think the main takeaway in that particular story was about handling your debt. And, and not mm-hmm. getting too downtrodden and, and beaten up by uh, adversity and your debts. Because in this story, like you said, he, he went through it all. He was making some bad decisions, basically had to skip town because he was owed too many people money. And and, mm-hmm. and basically he came to this conclusion where people were telling him like, hey, are you 
you say you came from this and you had some money at some point, but you, what I see is a slave. Like, are you truly a slave? Do you have the mind of a slave or are you a free man and you can, you have free thought and you're going to work as a sleep, a free man. And so with that, he had to defeat that mentality and that mindset, defeat his debts. And he came back to town. Uh, he ran into some luck and some people that were willing to help him, which was, I think, a uh, the wife of the, his slave owner who basically, uh, you know, snuck him, snuck him one night with some excuse and said, hey, this is your opportunity. You said you're you're a free man. And you if you had the opportunity, you'll go back and, and make right your wrongs. Then here, take this camel, ride back, ride your behind back into town and pay off your debts. And this is your second chance. Um, and that's exactly what he did. And the little bit more detail into that story, it, br- it brings up the 10% again, uh, that, that one tenth as they say in the book, not 10%, <laughs> right. but that was another constant. So he said one tenth is uh, what he would save. But the other part of it with this, because he had debt, this is different from the other stories in the book. It's, this particular person had debt, significant amount of debt. So uh, the rest of that nine tenths, two tenths of it, was going to paying off his debts and then the remaining seven tenths if you're doing math and keeping up is what was used to pay off his uh central payments so for his his rent basically uh he wasn't worried about electricity back then so we're gonna say for (laughs) for his candles or oil for the wax you know kerosene (laughs) kept for the kerosene (laughs) but for the water food so his seven tenths went to that stuff and if you're in that same situation with debts, then you have to figure out what your own payment plan is going to be. Because he went to all of the, his friends, because these were his friends. He wasn't just going to a bank. He was going to his friends and borrowing money. Uh, and he set up a payment plan for, for them and said, hey, this is what I make. This is what I need to eat. And the rest of this, I can work amongst you guys. So take it or leave it. But this is all I got. You, you can't squeeze blood out of turnip. And some people were like, well, forget the turnip. Uh, but then others were like, all right, all right, man, something's better than nothing. I work with you. And in three years, you had this paid off two years. You had this paid off or whatever. Just give me some money. So I, that's what I got from that particular story. And going back to the first story, as you mentioned, Larry, uh, with Arquette, um, like you said, Arquette grew up with these, these fools. And I like the beginning of the story. I like how it starts out. That would got my attention because they had, uh, Ben Sear was his name was, was chilling, and just lamenting because he saw like a parade or something going by and he see all these people with money and yeah, he was salty. Yeah, he was salty. He just <laughs> he's looking all sour faced and, and just chilling up. And he's a I believe he's like a carriage maker or a wagon maker or something like that. And his friend Kabi comes around and sees him. And Kabi's like, hey, Ben Sear, man, um, I see you chilling. You got the wagon over here and not working on it. So can I hold some money? And his logic was, you're not working. You, you're just chilling right now. You're on break. So that must mean you have money already. That's the, I like that mentality. He's like, man, if you're not working, you must be good right now. So let me hold something. So, so just think about that. Let that resonate. Where his buddy sees that he's just chilling. So he automatically thinks that means he has money already. Because if he didn't, he would be working to get it. So and and then Ben Sear says, "No, I I don't have any money. Um, if I had two nickels to give you, I would, 
but then that would be all. It would, that would be everything I have. Um, and the reason he's so salty because he had a dream where he was rich, basically, and he woke up and realized he wasn't. He was like, "Oh, that's messed <laughs> up." But and and that's how they come across Arquette because they're like, "Well, we have to come up with some way to make money. Let's go ask Arquette. We grew up with him. He had the same beginning as us." Let's see if we can uh, figure out how he makes makes uh, got to where he's at. And one of them initially said, well, we'll go jacking for all this money. <laughs> then the other one <laughs> says, if we do that, we'll be broke again. <laughs> that's just temporary. So uh, I like how it starts out with that mentality of, you know, painting that picture of, man, if he's, if he's not doing anything, he must have some money to loan me. Right. <laughs> so that, that really got, got my attention. And basically, if you don't work, you don't eat. And he wasn't working, mm-hmm. so... Not working, just complaining right there. Yeah, and they also, and this is this was another takeaway too from me. When those two had that plan of let's go ask Arquette, let's go see how he made money, they decided, hey, well, let's go ask the rest of our friends to come join us and go talk mm-hmm. with Arquette also. So I thought that was pretty cool mm-hmm. where they're like, all right, let's go get the whole team uh, put on. So we all grew up together. Arquette made some money. Let's see if he can bring us along for that ride. Not bring us along, but teach us also so we can all come up. So I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. You just said it now. Like, yeah, they did go and go get the whole <laughs> the whole crew. Yeah. It was like, well, yeah, let's go find him and talk to him. Arquette said, hey, let's go put the whole squad on. And from right. that point on, Arquette, as you see um, throughout the story a little bit later on, he has these kind of, I think, nightly or weekly sessions where he gathers mm-hmm. up with his friends and they're discussing uh, financial plans and goals. And, and so that becomes a thing. And that was basically the start of it was these two dudes, Bansira and Kabi, sitting around lamenting, broke, saying, hey, I'm the best. And actually, I think uh, Bansira was like the best or in his mind, the product he put out was like one of the best wagons or chariots whatever it was and mm-hmm. Kabi was a some type of instrument uh musician i'll say and they said to themselves like basically hey well you're you do phenomenal work and you do phen- phenomenal work but what do we have to show for it so that's another thing you got to take in all these little tidbits that they're putting at you all these little gems so it's basically saying that you can be great at what you do and you can just put in the work, but it's what are you doing with your finances also? Because, mm-hmm. hey, he can, he can make a wagon and he can play an instrument and the king could love it, but what are you doing with, how are you making money? How are you using your skill? So just in those first couple of chapters, I think it was like chapter three, like you yeah. get a lot right there. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just chapter three. Yeah, three, four, chapters three, four, five for me are like the, the best and like the meat of it. Yeah, um, yeah. I know there's also another story in there talking about the uh, basically luck, like if you believe in luck or not. Oh, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so guy, I That's think asked guy asked him about one of the guys about luck, and basically he told him like you know, <laughs> I think one guy was like, oh, I found a wallet with all this gold <laughs> in it or something like that. And then, so they started saying like, yeah, we need to have a discussion on luck. And so he was like, well, who else has found, you know, a wallet with all this, or a purse with all this gold in it? Nobody raised their hand. So it basically came down to like, really, like, is it really luck? Or are you putting it in the work and taking advantage of these opportunities is basically what it, what it came down to. And so when they talked about it, I know one thing that was talked about was like basically gamble and was like, you know, 
you know, you're gambling and stuff. They were like, you know, you think, you know, you're wagering a small wage to win all this money. But they were like, do you not think it's stacked against you? Like when you go to the casino, do you th- like it's stacked against you where the house wins most of the time? You know, where you would lose most of the time, even though it's little money to you, a bunch of little money to them is a lot. And odds are you're going to lose. And so it talked about that. And then at the end, it basically, I think another story he talked in within that same realm was he had an opportunity to invest. I think like his dad's friend or somebody uh, had like news, some property or whatever was going to become something someday. So he said, hey, you know, partner with me, whatever, and invest. But he said, no, I'm good. And so the guy invested, the property ended up turning into something big. And so he missed out on that opportunity. And he was like, well, was that luck or not? Like I He's like, I just didn't take advantage of that opportunity. You know, had I did, had I took advantage of it, you know, then you may say it's luck, but it's really basically networking and your, the work ethic you put into it. You know, it's not really luck like it's, you know, falling from the sky or luck as we think. It's really you applying yourself um, to that opportunity. And so I thought that was a really interesting chapter to like have in there. I think a lot of times, like, I don't think luck is really ever addressed or the belief in luck but i will say most of what we've read and encountered is really been like you have to put the work in like it's not really like a this is going to fall from the sky or this is going to happen it's you putting that effort you putting that work in is what draws those the good vibes i guess you could say are those types of things yeah i got i got a the quote here for that it says men of action are favored by the goddess of good luck so, we go. you know, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. There might be a little luck involved, but you have to put yourself in position, you mm-hmm. know, for you to, you know, benefit from that luck. So. And I think that's most of it is like you putting yourself in position to take advantage of those opportunities when they come. I think that's basically what it is. Like, you know, opportunity most likely is going to come up, but, you know, if you're not ready for it, you know, then it just passes by. Oh, I'm just going to say that uh, I think that was a pretty good chapter two. And uh, I think that was like 13 um, from looking at my notes here. But uh, another example we had in that one was another guy that was telling a story, because like we said, this was a lot of stories in this book. Um, and this was from a group of guys that were meeting up with Arquette and they're t- talk, trying to get lessons and learn how to become rich. And in this particular case, they talk about Lady Luck. And then another guy says, well, maybe you're right. Maybe luck does present itself to everyone. And it's just if we take advantage of it, like you guys are saying, and then this guy recalls a story of when he was a, a sheep herder, I believe. And one night he was out and outside the gates of Babylon, I believe. And you, and a guy approaches him with a ton of a, a large herd of sheep and his slaves and uh, his, his slaves that were tending to the sheep. And the guy says that. I have word that my wife is back home sick or something to that effect. I need to get back home immediately. I will sell you these sheep now uh, before the gates, the walls uh, of Babylon open up for the market in the morning. And the guy says, okay, well, shoot, let's strike this deal. It's a pretty good deal. Uh, Only thing is I can hear it sounds like a ton of sheep out there, but let me have my guys count all these sheep before we make this deal. Guy says, hey, I need to get home immediately. And you guys are taking too long to count all these sheep because it's dark. Um, So here's the thing. I will knock off additional price and (laughs) we'll sell you all these sheep now and let me go. 
And God says, no, nah, I don't trust that. I hear it sounds like a lot of sheep, but I can't, I can't do that. Um, so in the morning, we'll, we'll strike a deal then. And the guy and the gates open up in the morning, the guy still sleep and all the other uh, buyers come out in the morning and start basically bidding. And the guy mm -hmm. ends up making like four times as much selling a sheep to somebody else, whatever the amount is. So this guy could have bought that sheep mm -hmm. at like half the price, turned around and flipped it and made two times, three times, four times as much in the morning, mm -hmm. but he missed his opportunity. So that was his example. He says, hey, man, I could have done that. Was that luck presenting me with an opportunity and I missed luck? Um, mm -hmm. Because right now everybody's going around here saying that, man, how does how do we find luck? And it looks like, I mean, in my case, I just missed it. So mm -hmm. I got another like Larry quote. Said, quote. Oh, yeah, oh, go man. ahead, Larry. I, I got another quote. Good luck comes to that man who accepts opportunity. Mm -hmm. When opportunity presents itself, you know, you got to take advantage of it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And in that case, he said, basically, he, he acknowledged that I didn't accept the uh, opportunity. I didn't jump on it. Terrence, earlier you said something, and I've been looking through my book. I wish I would wrote it down, but I finally found it. Um, you said, I think both of y'all said something about working. Um, I had a quote here as well. It says, I like to work and I like to do good work. For work is the best friend I've ever known. It has brought me all the good things I've had, my farm and cows and crops and everything. Um, so I thought that was a, um, and this was going back, there was a, there was a young man, I guess, um, his grandfather, he looked up to, and a friend of his grandfather was telling him his story and how he became rich. Um, and he found out that his, his grandfather was a slave, uh, you know, at, at some point in time. And he was asking him, you know, why do you work at this age? Why do you do this? You have all this stuff. And he said, I mean, pretty much what I just said, work has been my best friend. The reason I have what I have is because I worked. Um, so I thought that was interesting as well. Yeah, yeah. this guy was surprised to hear that his granddad was uh, a slave. Um, and he got, he got offended at first. He's like, hold up, well, who are you calling a slave? My granddad was, <laughs> was distinguished. He was, he was known in the neighborhood. <laughs> my, my granddad was on top of things. You, talk, you telling me he was a slave? And, <laughs> and the dude was like, uh, yeah, I mean, but that's what makes your granddad even greater is knowing where he came from and what he became in the end before he passed away. Um, because this, this young whip, whippersnapper was, was, you know, had his bling on, had all his jewelry and he was lazy. And, and he's just asking his granddad's his now late granddad's friend, like, man, how did, how did you guys make all that money? If I was, if I had the money you have, I wouldn't be working. And dude's like, well, let me tell you the story of how me and your granddad got to this point where we don't have to work necessarily, but it was humble beginnings. And that's the thing. It was, it was humble beginnings. So uh, that was, I mean, these, this book is filled with, with gems and there's one, let me see where I can find it. One point, this was early, pretty early in the book. I think there's 19 chapters overall. And this one was about halfway in the book. Like I said, the second cure earlier, we, we mentioned that one. So this is one that kind of made me say, hmm, or it put things in a different light, was Arquette when he was having these roundtable discussions, basically, with people on, on how to increase their finances, increase their wealth. He asks them one day, who here 
is basically uh, affected by a lean purse. Basically, who, who doesn't have any money? Who's broke? Who's struggling with finances? And struggling with finances. And they all basically raise their hand. <laughs> they all like, hey, we, we're all here for a reason, you know? Uh, and he asks, and then the, another day, he brings them in, they're doing this again. He basically tells them all that you all said that you're struggling with finances. You all already said that, but you all have different incomes, different professions, different expenses. You have one child, no, no child, a wife, six kids, whatever you, I mean, everybody has different situations, but yet you're all struggling with the same problem. So what he says is uh, what each of us calls our necessary expenses will always grow to equal our incomes. So even Ooh. though everybody's making different amounts of money, they're all spending all they have. Ooh. And what, and I consider that I, when I heard that, I was like, man, he's talking about lifestyle creep. Mm-hmm. So he said, basically, it doesn't matter how much you're making. If you're spending all of it, you think that's necessary. It's not really necessary. It wasn't necessary when you were only making half of what you're making now. When you doubled your pay, you increased what you thought was you needed to have. And um, so, I mean, this book talks about everything. And like I said, right there, it's talking about lifestyle creep. And I thought that was pretty cool. I think that was a nice example. He said, we all have different expenses. I mean, we all have different incomes and different responsibilities, but yet we're all still broke. So what I mean, it's it's just you. It's just you. So yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. That that goes back to the episode we did, more money, more problems. Parkinson's law. Yeah. yeah. It goes exactly with that. The more money you make, you're gonna the more money you're gonna spend. Mm-hmm. So and and I mean just something that we need to, you know, everybody, just something that we need to work on, I guess. Um so yeah, yeah. be mindful of. And his cure for that lifestyle creep is a budget, by the way. Right. <laughs> it circles so, back to the yeah. to the budget. New to the budget. And uh, I have one quote in here, Larry, Larry like you mentioned, uh, like the work. This is when the uh, earlier you had talked about the, the slave thing, too. And uh, one of the quotes in here, and I'm skipping some sentences, but it says, some men hate it. They make it their enemy. Better to treat it like a friend. Make thyself like it. Don't mind because it is hard. If thou thinkest about what a good house thou built, then who cares if the beams are heavy and if it is far from the well to carry the water for the plaster? It says, remember work well done does good to the man who does it. It makes him a better man. And so that's basically like how he thought of it. You know, even if it's hard or whatever, think about the house, like how good your house would be. You don't care about how heavy the beams were, how far you had to carry the, the water or anything. The product is a good house. That that kind of goes to how I am right now in life. Like, um, y'all y'all know I invest in real estate, and it's not mm-hmm. you know, if you listen on the on the internet, it makes it seem like it's real easy, but it's not. Like, there's 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 things that that um just you know, ups and downs like anything you do. But I'm you know thinking about you know 20 years from the, down from now, and so mm-hmm. just keeping your your mind on what what your 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 end goal is. So that that's kind of what made me think about that. Uh, you know, from that quote that you sent. You said, sorry, mm-hmm. man. I was just gonna say, um, man. There's so many stories in this book. I can't. It's, it's hard <laughs> to call out uh, a favorite one, uh, but I'll I'll at least 
uh, discuss one that I think was probably like the funniest uh, for me. And this was a story within a story. (laughs) But there was a uh, guy, uh, the story was he was going to ask someone else. He went to the money, the gold lenderer, and he was asking him, hey, man, I've come into this money, this windfall, and I have a problem. And the gold gold lender asks, what's your problem? He says, well, I I think he was a spear maker. I can't remember exactly. But whatever it was, he provided this service to the king. And the king provided him with 50 pieces of gold. And gold lender is like, okay, so uh, that sounds like a good problem. What what are you talking about? (laughs) Well, that's not the problem. The problem is that my sister wants me to lend some of that money to her husband, my brother-in-law. Uh, he's been down on his luck. He's been struggling and he wants to start this business. And he, mm-hmm. she asked me to lend him some money. And, and so I'm coming to you and asking for your advice because that's what you do. You lend people money. And the gold lender, I mean, has a lot for him in this chapter. But basically uh, says, first of all, that is fantastic. I'm impressed that you've come to me. That makes you automatically wise because most people only come to me to borrow money. They come to me when they're in trouble. You come into me uh, to figure, to get knowledge. So, you know, kudos, but, and he gives them some game and we can all kind of pitch in on what that game is and those lessons, but I'm going to focus right now on one of the stories that he tells this guy, this spear maker. And he tells him the story of the, um, the ox and the ass. So, uh, this, there was this ox and this donkey, um, and the ox, I'm trying to summarize it, but the ox basically says, man, I'm struggling. I, um, they always want me to hitch up this, this plow to my back and go work in these fields. And, and it's, it's rough on me. So donkey, you don't do much. You don't do as much as I do all day. What is your secret? And the donkey says, oh man, just, just take it easy. Just chill. And let me advise you tomorrow. When he comes in here and wants you to uh, hitch up the the wagon or the plow, just play sick. You know, just don't move. <laughs> so the next day, <laughs> he does that. That's what the ox does. And so the guy's like, he goes back to the king or owner or whoever it is and says, that, well, the ox can't move today. He's sick. So the guy says, well, go hitch it up to that donkey and get his ass out there. <laughs> Get his ass on there. <laughs> Get his ass out there. And, and that's exactly what he did. He, he hitched him, hitched up the donkey, got him out there. And at the end of the day, Doc says, man, thank you. That was a uh, great advice. You know, <laughs> I got to chill all day. And the donkey said, is mad at him now and says, well, because you've been on your lazy behind. I've been out there working and I'll tell you what. Tomorrow morning, you better get your butt out there because I heard <laughs> I heard old dude tell the farmer if that ox is still sick, you take his ass <laughs> to, the, to the slaughterhouse. <laughs> but they were never friends. The donkey and the uh, ox weren't friends anymore after that uh, because one was mad at the other. And the key, or at least the, uh, I guess the reason behind that story is don't take on someone else's burdens um, because you just cause more troubles and you're no longer friends and and so on, so on. And that's what the donkey did is he took on the ox's burden and now they were no longer cool and he had it and he had it rough. So that was the gold lender's story for this guy asking for advice on whether to give his his, um, brother-in-law some money. It was like, don't take on his burden. 
Don't take on his burden. He gave him a bunch of tips on that. And, and one of them was basically he said, hey, hey, I lend people. I lend money to people that are borrowing it to accumulate more wealth. If they can approach me with a good business plan, maybe, or, you know, they're, they're trying to get gather assets. And I also ask for collateral if, if they're having troubles with um, being a reliable source. That way, at least if I don't get my money back, I already have something that costs just as much, if not more. People are borrowing money for assets. I might give it to them and I'm also going to ask for collateral. But if they're asking for money because of the bad decisions they've made in the past, that's not a good investment or a good risk for me to give them money. So, Ooh. I mean, he, he says a lot in that, but that basically sums it up to me. Yeah, wise words. And, and going back to one of the books we had before, Total Money, Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Um, he talks about, you know, lending to family members. And if they don't pay you back, that that uh, turkey dinner is not going to be not going to taste as good when you're sitting across the, uh, yeah, yeah. the table with somebody who hasn't paid you back yet. Right. <laughs> I, think, I think we also talked about it, man, maybe it was the credit episode or something like where we talked about maybe lending to your relatives and like, you know, you know, people, you, you know, yep, your yep. family and who's most likely to do what or for friends who's most yep. likely to do what, you know? So, uh, but yeah, it's funny how like things that are addressed in here, and I think it says in here, like, these rules haven't changed since, like, the beginning of time. Like, it's still the same money, no matter what, you know, whether the dollar, whether bartering, it's just like anything, any type of exchange, like, it's still the same um, yep. through time. We could switch it up here. And what, uh, what are things that you all disliked? Or did you dislike anything? Well, you know what? And this actually came up earlier. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it. So I made it very clear that I want to stop working, you know, uh, in, you know, 17 years at this point in time right now. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm looking at this, you know, wealthy man. He's still working. He's saying, you know, love work and everything. And um, so I'm not going to say I dislike that, but it kind of like hit me like, damn, you know, um, <laughs> you know, should I change my mindset? So mm -hmm. um, it didn't, but it made, it made me think. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it made me think real quick. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm not gonna say I dislike that, but it, it did, uh, you know, give me some cause, you know, for pause. So. Mm -hmm. Man, uh, well, obviously, as long as we spent uh, discussing the things we liked on a book, it probably doesn't leave much room for things we did not like. So. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to be very picky on, on this for things that we did not uh, like, or at least I did not like. And like I said, I'm being pretty picky, but it kind of ties in with what Larry said is that discussion on, on, on work, which I get the point that they, he was trying to convey is basically, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you don't work, you don't eat, you have to put in the work. You, uh, what you bring in is a direct reflection of the work you put in uh, or the work you put out. Uh, but at the same time, it kind of, in some cases, um, kind of paint, paints this picture of just work, work, work. Mm -hmm. um, I know that you have to combine it with some of the other steps they put in the book, but I don't want people to get for it to get lost in the message for other people that are reading it. So it's, it's very picky. Uh, and even like tying it in with kind of, in this case, slavery, even though they did paint in a different light as opposed to slavery as we normally know it historically when talking with uh, black people and the history of slavery in America, but they kind of 
he describes slavery in Babylon as, you know, they had a little bit more freedom to go along with the slaves, more so to pay off debts and stuff like that. Like merchants were slaves and stuff like that. So I think I can appreciate them trying to separate the two. But at the same time, they basically describe slavery as like, oh, man, these guys just did what they wanted to. They were still out there making their own money. And, and um, all they had to do to, to not be a slave anymore is just work as hard as they could. I'm like, uh-huh. Like, who, like who's telling this story? Um, but it is a fiction book. And he did describe this time as a little bit different as we know slavery. But that, like I said, I'm... I'm kind of grasping on, on things to not like. So uh, that quick, sums it up for me. Real quick for slavery. I, I would have been mad. One of the guys got uh, became a slavery because his dad couldn't pay his brother's debt. How how I, how do I get involved? In this? <laughs> <laughs> hey, they snatched up your family back then. <laughs> so you're responsible for your fathers or your brothers. Yeah, <laughs> you work exactly. as one unit. <laughs> but go ahead, go ahead. Um, yeah, I think like you also, I mean, it's it's tough to find anything to dislike. I think thing I disliked the most really was like the way it was written. Man, the dials and shouts and <laughs> all that. I was like, man, this is tough. And this was my first time doing an audio book. And I was like, man, maybe I just chose to do the wrong audio book for this book here. I was like, I probably just should have should have read this again, read it more. Um, but yeah, the way it's written and only the other thing I could think of is I really don't think it mentioned like any ways to invest really. Yeah. Um, okay. okay. I think it said like it said do investing, but I don't think it really mentioned like to do real estate or to do this or do that. It was like have the money working for you, and you need to do investments. But I don't know if it really mentioned anything in particular. Um, I could be wrong. Probably got lost between the dials and shouts and <laughs> <laughs> to do it. Uh, but yeah, that was those are really the kind of the only two things I could think of really to, I guess, kind of dislike. You know, if you really got to pick something. Let's see. Uh, yeah, it, I guess hopping on to the next question. Um, is there anything, did you learn anything new or um, will you apply anything in this book to your life? I, I'll go ahead and start. I wouldn't say I necessarily learned anything new, but that's not always a bad thing. I mean, um, it, it reemphasized some things um, and it's sort of like when we or in professional fields or any field, basically, um, you have continuous education or you, they have you do annual trainings. Uh, it's stuff that you're like, man, we, we went over this before. And, but you repeat it for a reason because over time people lose sight of it. Um, mm. And it's always good to continue to, to learn or be reminded of some things or have it told to you in a different light so or a different way. So I, I don't think I necessarily learned something new from from reading this, but I think it really reemphasized some things that we've already discussed in different books. And, because, and that's probably why, to me, it wasn't necessarily new, because we've been doing this podcast for a while. We've been learning and studying on our own for a while. We've gone over several books, and a lot of this is just retellings of things we've already learned in other books. But it's good to get it mm-hmm. a different way that you can digest it differently. Yeah, you, you kind of said what I said, because... I won't say I learned anything new, but like you said, it kind of, you know, reemphasize stuff. And sometimes that's not a bad thing. You know, um, mm-hmm. you're going through your life sometimes when you hear something again, it kind of reminds you, like, I like the opportunities, like the different the, the, or luck. I like how he talked about mm-hmm. luck and how opportunities that, you know, might kind of rejuvenate you. I mean, we've read, you know, Total Money Makeover. We read, what was that, Robert? Dad. 
Rich Dad Poor Dad. And I would say out of all the books we read, th this one kind of goes in line with that. So mm -hmm. a, a lot of stuff, even though this is, you know, written from a standpoint a thousand years ago, it's kind of saying the same stuff, just in a different format. So, um, yeah, that's how I feel about that. What, what about you, E? Um, I think just like y'all say, probably nothing new. Um, one thing I probably, uh, I guess, like you said, reemphasize or really need to get on um, when they mentioned procrastination. It was like one of the stories and it mentioned like something, something like this is meet the friend procrastination or something like that is kind of what it stated. And I was like, oh, I was like, that's me right there. I was like, <laughs> I am like a procrastinator. Uh, I got, and so I was I like, yeah. The, okay, yeah, you go. I got the quote real quick. Uh, okay, procrastination, Yeah, procrastination to me is proved to be an enemy ever watching and waiting to thwart my accomplishments. So that's it right there. And I was like, man, I was like, that's, I was like, that's me. And I was like, I need, really need to work on that. Um, even my wife said, hey, you just sit there and procrastinate. She's like, you know, this needs to get done. I'd be like, oh, I was like, I'm gonna do it. You know, just give me some time. But yeah, for sure. I just tell her, I was like, I procrastinate on things I can. I was like, some things I know. But yeah, I was like, procrastination in general. I was like, I just need to get it get it out of my life, I guess, or need to conquer it. But um, yeah, I think that rolls into like the whole good luck thing or whatever. It's not really luck, like, you know, putting that action into it. And like, like Larry said, waiting on that opportunity. Um, but yeah, nothing like really new. I mean, I already knew I procrastinated. <laughs> you know, it, it was just seeing it right there. It was like, ah, that's that's talking to me right there. <laughs> It's like like the Bible, and the Bible will speak to you. Hey, you know? hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Bible will slap you, boy. <laughs> I guess we can go into the, to the fourth question. Would you recommend the book? And I, I would say 100%. Yeah, me too. 100%. Even though I would say we never that didn't actually learn anything new, I mean, it's, it's a great book. And like I said, it kind of makes it plain, even though it's kind of hard to read at times, um, the dialect, mm -hmm. but um, makes it plain a different uh, storytelling and, and the different steps. I like books with steps in it, like Total Money Makeover. Mm -hmm. really like like it because it kind of makes it easier um so so i would 100 percent recommend this for anybody to read and mm -hmm. and it's only like what 160 pages or something like that or you yeah, know 170 i don't remember exactly how much it is but it's um it, it's a fairly fairly easy read i would say yeah 194 okay 194. Yeah, under, under 200 pages I mean, that's, yeah 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 that's a quick read so yeah i, I would recommend that yeah i, I would too 100 i would say it's one of them as far as financial books probably one of my favorite because of the the story forms. It's not just giving you some just straight education. It's, it's putting it into a, a way some of us can identify, uh, trying to make it entertaining. Yeah. So I, I would definitely recommend it. And even though, like you said, we didn't necessarily learn something new, we've already read, you know, numerous books on these topics. Uh, someone else maybe hasn't. So uh, mm -hmm. this might be a very, very informative educational book for them. Yeah, I, I agree. I definitely recommend it. Um, and number two, I would probably recommend it too for like the younger generation. Um, you know, like I'll say like high school to like 25, like that real young generation. Like I think this is very good. Like Larry said, with all the steps in it, all the stories, you know, if you can get past the way it's written, um, I think that'll be, I think it's just very good. It just sets up like very basic stuff. I think that would help. Anything else about the book? Oh, no, not for me. Yeah, uh, yeah nothing here, man. I, I enjoyed it. Cool. All right. Well, let's let's get into to some business. Let's get into the black business of the day. 
this is actually an organization. It's um it's called United Friends to Feed the Homeless. They um they feed the homeless every second Saturday um in like South Dallas. Um it's an opportunity to you know either provide some money or provide food to them. Um they give a good meal to um the, the homeless people are able to eat a meal there, sit down in air conditioning, um, which you know a lot of them are not allowed, you know, they don't have air conditioning throughout the day. So they get to sit, eat a good meal in air conditioning, and then they get them a meal to go as well. So it's a good organization. Oh, nice. Um if you're interested, if you're interested in actually going. Um, and because they always need volunteers to help out. Um, it's the second Saturday um, of every month. It's at uh, 2815 South Irvay Street, Dallas, Texas, 75215. Um, you can also, if you want to just provide, um, you know, financial support, uh, their PayPal is paypal.me slash UFTFTH. If you want to email them, it's UFTFH at yahoo.com. Let me, let me repeat that one time. U-F-T-F-T-H at yahoo.com. Um, and if you want to follow them on Facebook, it's at U-F-T-F-T-H. So uh, that's the Black Business of the Day. So Black Business of the Day. Nice, nice. Um, and uh, going on with the, the news of the day, today is uh, Juneteenth. <laughs> uh, Juneteenth, the Father's Day. Uh, the S&P 500 is in a bear market now. Um, cryptocurrencies on the decline, um, dropping by a lot, and interest rates, mortgage interest rates are now up above 6%, I think average across the country. And I think, I, um, I forget who it was, but I was watching some YouTube thing, and basically it said from January to now, like, your mortgage has basically increased like $400 or $500 a month, just by interest rates alone. Oh, man, <laughs> I was like, man that's... About, I was like a month. Woo! Well, that, that interest rate matters, matters a lot. Hold on. Yeah, the housing market should start slowing down, man. You, you yeah, we so. already we see it a little bit here because I still like going redfin, just look at stuff, and um, you know we're starting to see price declines, but you know it's still high. But you know you'll see ten thousand dollars less here. Or, you know they dropped the price a little bit, but. Nothing, nothing drastic. And still, with how, as high as the interest rates are, you know, it's still got to drop by a lot more to even equal what it was in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's still going to continue to drop a little bit. Um, time will tell. But I think there'll be some more um, hikes on the interest rates. Mm-hmm. So with that, I think the housing market will cool a little bit more. Um, and it depends on what you're looking for. I mean, it's it's. Unfortunately, anytime you see, you know, people get affected by, you know, like that with increased money out your pockets. But I think the housing market will start to cool off a little bit. And for those that can pay with with cash and not or at least pay off aggressively, the interest won't hit you as as aggressively. I mean, as hard. So we'll see. So that's that's the um, the current news of the day. We have anything else before we close out? Uh, thanks for listening. That's pretty much it for me. That wraps it up. Like Eric said, thanks to Terrence. Like Terrence said, thanks for everybody for listening. All the initiators, please continue to listen. Tell a friend. Check us out on Instagram. Uh, type in the Black Financial Initiative. Same thing on Facebook. And uh, Terrence, what's the uh, the Twitter? 
Where were we at? BFI? I'm going to ask you. BF- <laughs> Have me pulling out my phone real quick, man. I'm going to try and put you on the spot. I don't remember myself. I'm like, yeah. Larry I'm gets remember myself. Time. <laughs> I, think so, was, I think there's an underscore somewhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's BFI underscore podcast. So there we go. There we go. There we go. So, yep. Just pulled up. BFI <laughs> underscore podcast. Yeah. So uh, like I said, thank you. Check us out and uh, we'll, we'll catch y'all later. Peace. Peace. Peace.